I want you to be ready for the future. Everybody has a future here. And I want you to be ready for the future. And so as we were talking about instructions to the church, for the church, um, one of the things I didn't want to leave out was what about our future? What about future events? What about end times? Whatever you want to call it, right? So much of the Bible is dedicated to our future. And so uh, I'm going to preach a message called Be Ready, all right? Be ready. I want you to be ready. I'm not going to give you a ton of, um, I'm not going to take you to a ton of hallways that I can't get down, all right? Another time, theologically, at another place, we'll get into deep discussions about eschatology and all of that. Um, I think I have a message planned this next year on that, and then uh, maybe in the future we'll study Revelation and Daniel, and I, I know that's on my radar because I think it's good. God says you're blessed if you read Revelation, and if you read it, then you have a chance of understanding it and uh, keep going. But today I'm just going to start with one simple message just to get us started called Be Ready. You guys ready for that? If you're ready, tell your neighbor you're ready. All right, you sure you're ready? Here we go. I don't know anymore. All right. Let me ask you this. Anyone have plans for this week? You got plans? Uh, I think Kimberly and I are on vacation this week, so uh, I think we are. <laughs> I have an all-day meeting and an elders meeting on Wednesday. That was, I don't know who like, came up with that, but uh, it might have been me. Um, I will make up for it. We have vacation plans. We have a marriage retreat we're going to this weekend. We have, you know, we hope to be at the core group in Madison next week and hand them the check for 20 grand, and we hope to... You know, next week, uh, go to a wedding, and then we, we hope to, Lord willing, get to Vertical Church Conference. If anybody wants to go to that, I still have, I think, eight tickets. This is popping a lot. Does anybody know why? Is it me? All right. Sorry, I'm just going to stop a second and readjust and make sure that I'm not doing anything wrong. So that's it right there. All right, we're going to try it. Sorry for the confusion. Um, of course, there would be spiritual warfare around um, speaking about the future, but try to not let that be a distraction along with my haircut and whatever I'm wearing. Honestly, I think about it every week. I'm like, am I going to be a distraction from the Word of God? I don't want to be a distraction. Um, if I'm sniffling, if I'm if popping, you know, you don't want to detract or distract from the Word of God. And so let's all stay focused on that no matter what happens in the next few minutes, okay? Where was I? Oh, plans. I had some plans and it wasn't for popping. That'll add into the illustration. And uh, so we're going to go to Madison and then Vertical Church Conference. And I have eight tickets left if you would like to go. Um, I would love for you to be a part of that. Please let me know, okay? All right. Or one of our staff. That will take the pressure off of me. Even if it's a financial hardship, right? That's why we bought some extra tickets. We don't want you to miss out on this opportunity to go to Vertical Church Conference. Okay, I got to speed up now. Do you know what tomorrow holds? Plan to go to work? Or maybe it's your day off? Plan to go to the rack? Are you planning to, you have somebody coming to the house to fix 
You planning something? Got something going on? Yeah? We're not guaranteed that. I mean, we make plans. When our fifth child came into the world, we were like, making plans, you know, for him. And then all of a sudden, hold on, he's born with Down syndrome. Plans changed, right? Didn't plan on that. We're not guaranteed anything except what the Bible says will happen. And so I want to get into that, and I want to encourage your hearts with, this is for sure. Everything else, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the Lord that establishes them all, okay? And so we open-handedly go about our uh, do this or that, like it says in James 4, you know, if God wills, we'll do this or that. But this is for sure, and I want to talk about it. Turn on your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to kind of do a little overview, so I do have to speed up. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul writing in uh, 51-ish A.D., and Paul is giving the church clear instructions, all right? When I started this series on instructions, I, I knew I had to preach this passage, and here's why. In chapter 4, it starts, Finally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you received, that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just that you're doing, well done, that's what I just did, right? It's like, hey, good job, members. You're doing it. Keep doing it. More and more. He's going to mention that. I'm not going to read it, but he's going to mention that twice. More and more in chapter 4 before we get to verse 13. Just as you're doing, keep doing it. That you do so more and more. There's the first time. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. I'll just stop there. I could preach more there. Sanctification and the will of God on that. But let's skip to verse 13. I want to give you some instructions. Paul's saying, I've written it down for you now because I need you to know. Verse 13, be ready. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. That word there, asleep, means dead. If you read that, you're like asleep. He's sleeping? No, it's dead. He's dead. The reason it's called asleep is because we don't die. Do you get that? People are made in God's image. They have a body that dies, goes in a casket. They have a spirit that doesn't die. I'll fly away, right? How do I fly away? I'm dead. I have a spirit that is going, if I'm with Christ, in Christ, to be Absent with the body is to be present with the Lord, and that spirit, if not living in Christ, goes to a holding place, okay, called Hades, right, where it's held until the judgment. The spirit leaves the body, but that is not the end. The end is to come. There is more, all right? So, asleep, that's why he uses that word. Interesting, he's going to use the word dead of Christ in a minute. You'll see it that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. So he's basically saying to them, don't cry. Don't grieve. Why would they be crying? Why would they be grieving? Because the return of Jesus Christ is the climactic event in all of redemptive history. 
We're all looking for Jesus to return. That is the culmination of my faith and my belief that he would come back and that I would see him face to face and realize everything I've been hoping and believing in. I can't wait. I'm sure you can't either. For since we believe, and I'm saying we in the sense, like if you're here and you don't believe, I'm not including you. This is brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't want you to be dissuaded. I don't want you to think you're saved when you're not saved. You know when you're saved. You know when you know, all right? So I don't want to detract from that. Since we believe, believers follow Jesus Christ, that Jesus died and rose again. Notice he didn't use the word Jesus is asleep. Because Jesus did actually die. He did suffer the penalty for our sin, right? He was separated from God. I won't have to be because he was. He died, but he rose again. He came back to life because of the power of God over death and Hades. He died and he rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. Just an interesting side note here. A word from the Lord, not written in Scripture anywhere else. So this isn't like Jesus said it and the Gospels didn't record it. We don't know that. Tradition doesn't say that. Probably a word from the Lord is Jesus told Paul himself. Paul had many visions about the end times, was caught up into the heavenlies, and was told things that we weren't told other than what he told us. This is one of those things. Okay, be, be clear on that. A word from the Lord. This is straight from God. That we who are alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Paul was given a vision of how things would happen and the order it would happen in. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and the voice of the archangel, I bet you that'll be loud, with the sound of the trumpet of God. It's kind of like stages. Jesus says, once he hears from the Father, because Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back. Did you know that? One of the craziest things about the Trinity. You're like, they're one. But God the Father knows the time, and Jesus Christ says he doesn't know the time. And I don't think he's lying. <laughs> right? And angels don't know the time. So as soon as God tells Jesus, Jesus will know. As soon as Jesus knows, he's going to tell the angels. And the angels are going to do their part. And then the trumpet's going to sound. And that's all going to happen before you can twinkle your eye. All right? Let's be clear. So things in the spiritual realm might be happening a little faster than you uh, have come to realize here in the physical realm. Just saying. These three things are going to happen. You might number, in their, number them in your Bible so you can keep it clear. One, the cry of command that comes from Jesus. Two, the voice of the archangel uh, that may be Michael, Jude 9. Um, but Daniel tells us that there's other archangels. We don't know who they are. They're not identified. Michael is the archangel of and, and over the territory of Israel. And so uh, maybe it's him. And, and that could be. And that, that's a good guess. And then the third thing was the trumpet. And we don't know what this trumpet is. There's trumpets in Revelation. We don't know if it... I don't know if it coexists. Uh, I don't know if it's the same or not. I'm not going to speculate that it is or isn't. I don't know. The Bible doesn't want that to be clear. It just wants it to be clear that it's a trumpet, right? 
And uh, trumpets are used to call people together in the Old Testament in Exodus. Gather up! Right? Well, this is what this is going to be, a gathering. So regardless of whether it fits together or not, that is what he says. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up. Caught up is a good word. To seize, to snatch, to take away. Many people think the rapture is the best way to describe that. If that's you, that's fine. The word is caught up. To snatch, to sneeze, you're mine. Boom. All right, thanks, Jesus. I want to be yours. Thanks for grabbing me, right? And that's what's going to happen. He's going to take you away quickly. Come, Lord Jesus, and take us. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. This is not a once uh, thing. This is a forever thing. I'm never leaving God now, right? So that's why I can't wait for this day because this is the first day, but this is the first day of the rest of my existence, which is for eternal life. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. It's really, really encouraging that you have the opportunity, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ died and rose to pay the penalty for your sin, it's still encouraging to hear this because there's an opportunity, there's a chance to have this be your story too. But this is for believers in Jesus Christ. Have you ever lost a loved one? Have you ever lost a loved one? Somebody close to you? It's painful to bring it up, isn't it? I'm sorry about that, but it is a good illustration. I've lost loved ones. And you know what? When I lose a loved one, if I sense that they loved Jesus and I see that they were committed to following Jesus Christ, I stood at my father's funeral five years ago and I hardly shed a tear. You're like, that is morbid. But I knew without a shadow of a doubt where he was and wanted to use the opportunity to tell everybody that they could be there too. I've, I've cried since and again would now. But if you have ever met anyone that you're like, man, I'm not sure, my neighbor just passed away and I don't know if he's in heaven or not. I know he was a devout Catholic and I know he had heard about Jesus. But whether or not he knew Jesus or followed Jesus in the way that the Bible prescribes, I don't know. I just moved in last November. I don't know. And that is harder for me. Do you understand? We are to encourage one another with these words. Now remember the context. People are dying. They know the end times because Paul had told them. Paul was only in Thessalonica for three Sabbaths, so it could be up to four weeks, one month. And he had discipled and told them so much, and they had received the gospel, and they were persecuted so badly that they were concerned, we'll get to it in a second, that the tribulation had already happened, that the day of the Lord had already come. But their first concern in this first letter was, people are dying, they're going to miss the return of Christ. They're not going to get to be in the clouds with Jesus. What does this mean? Should we 
be upset about this. I'm grieved for them. And he's like, don't grieve. They're going to go before us. They're going to get there first. They're coming back, what does it say? With Jesus Christ. And then you're going to have a reunion with them too. I'm not going to be worried about them. Dad, sorry, I'm going to Jesus, man. You know, like I'm not even going to care about my dad at that point. I'm going to be like, Jesus, you're here. But that'll probably happen fast since things happen faster in that realm. <laughs> and then I'll probably be on to like, oh, dad, where are you? And that'll be glory. This first point, write it down. Don't be uninformed. I don't want you to leave here uninformed about your future. Okay? Jesus is coming back. That is the event we're all looking towards. Israel was looking towards the Messiah. We are looking towards, and Israel should be too, the return of Christ. Jesus is coming back to gather all his people together. Not all people together, all his people together. John 14.3 says, we'll put it on the screen for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Acts chapter 1, when Jesus went up in the clouds, it says they stood looking as we should be now, right? But he said, get, the angels came and they said, get to work. He's going to come like he went. But he told you to go get to work, right? To get down to business. So as we watch and we wait, we still are working and witnessing. We're not just watching and waiting. Brent will preach on that in a couple weeks about idleness and the fact that we should be going after God's work and not just be like, oh, he's coming back. I'm just going to wait for him. Quitting my job. I'm setting up. I'm waiting. Acts says he will come again the same way in which he went. He went in the clouds. He's coming back in the clouds. And then this, 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, listen now. I tell you a mystery. It's about imperishable and perishable. This body, it's perishable. But this soul inside of me, it's imperishable. And it, it's a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Something's going to happen to us. It's going to happen in a moment in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, I'd say that's the same trump, we're going to be with Jesus Christ. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can't wait. You're like, let's go! And if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, or you're thinking, I don't know, that's cause for concern. And so, the second point is this. Don't be surprised, right? This is why I'm preaching this message. I don't want you to be surprised. I don't want you to be like, what? Jesus came back? What? What happened? Why didn't anybody tell me? Well, good thing. He came to church. I'm telling you right now. He's coming back. Don't be uninformed, but don't be surprised. This is it. Judgment is coming suddenly on those who reject 
the gospel of Jesus. Those who reject Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Those who reject Jesus as the Son of God and very God. Those who reject the creation of the universe by Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the plan of redemption by Jesus Christ, dying and being buried and raising again in his blood, if you know anything about the sacrificial systems in the Old Testament, covering our sin. This is God's plan to save the world. Judgment is coming on, and suddenly, right, in a twinkling of an eye, before you can even batter, you're like, I'll wait, I'll wait till Jesus comes. When he comes, when I see him face to face, then I'll say, I love you, Lord. But until then, if I don't see it, I don't believe it. And to that I say, it's faith. You're saved by grace, God's grace, in giving you this word, and giving you this day, and giving you this breath, and giving you a pastor or a teacher or just the word of God to listen to. God's grace. By grace you are saved through faith. There is a faith element. You're not saved by sight. You're not saved by seeing Jesus. You're saved by believing that he did all of this and that he is coming back. Don't reject the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ paid the debt for our sin. All right? So let me read. I'm going to read uh, chapter uh, 5 here and a little bit of chapter 1 of the next uh, book. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, used three times, uh, mostly about Israel in the Bible, but we're grafted in, right? Are we grafted in? Yep, the Gentiles are now grafted in to God's plan. You have no need to have anything written to you. Why not? You wrote about this thing up here. I was uninformed. Now, he's like, I already told you this. You don't have anybody. You don't need me to write to you about this. Let me just remind you, though. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord. So he had already taught them about the day of the Lord. Much more than he's teaching them here, I'm sure. He's just reminding them. It's just a part. That's why it's a little cryptic, probably. The day of the Lord, definitely the tribulation, the last, uh, Jacob's trouble, the week of vengeance, or the whatever, you know, definitely the tribulation, maybe the last half, maybe the very last day where Jesus comes to judge. But the tribulation, loosely, we'll use it loosely, the day of the Lord, will come like a thief of the night while people are saying there is peace and security. Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. So if you're using that kind of plan, like, yeah, but in the second, I'm going to do it. I'm going to escape. This is how I'll get it done. If that's your plan, he's saying that plan won't work. Just be aware. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to surprise you like a thief. So, so it is going to come unexpectedly, but you're not going to be surprised by it. Well, that's kind of, <laughs> I don't understand, right? It's like a birthday party. <laughs> you ever been to a b- birthday party? Tate's my uh, 13-year-old, and he had a birthday this last Wednesday. He's 13 years old. Welcome to the rank of teenager, all right? And uh, so do you think Tate was expecting to have a birthday party? Since every year, since he was one, he had a birthday party? Yeah, I think he's expecting it, right? Do you think Tate was expecting that there'd be some gifts there? Yeah, he was expecting there to, since every year there's gifts there, right? 
Not unexpected. But probably still surprised when he took the wrapping paper off and he's like, whoa, look at that. That's a Dwayne Wade jersey. Woo! Right? Now we clue him in a little bit. So he probably knew what he was getting from mom and dad. But there were other people, even though he made a list, oh, I'd really like this, I'd really like this, right? There still is a surprise element. Better illustration. My 40th birthday, which was a couple of years ago, there were 40-some people in my living room when I came home from my birthday dinner or some kind of dinner with family. I think it was, we were going out for your birthday even. But uh, we come home, there's nothing, I'm very observant. Nothing on the street, nothing out of the ordinary. The house lights are all off. Pull into the driveway, nothing seems suspect. Get my child out of the car, walk into the house holding him, and about fell over. <laughs> Surprise! Bam! That was awesome. I mean, they broke in. They brought ice cream, so I was okay with it. If you break in, you better bring ice cream. It'll go a lot better. But do you see that? The element of surprise there? I mean, I knew I had a birthday. I knew it was around that week. I knew I was going to be 40. I knew that was a big thing. But I didn't expect a surprise birthday party. And then there it was. And so even though it seems like we're talking out of two sides of our mouth, can you see how this is? How, you know, believers are like, I expect this, but I don't know when. And unbelievers are like, Jesus who? I'm in the dark. That's what's happening. For you are children of the light. So you won't be surprised like a, the thief, by the thief. Children of the day, we are not of the night or of darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake. Stay awake. You should write that down somewhere. Stay awake. And I don't mean miss sleep. I mean when you're awake, be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. That's what I mean. And be sober. You're like, well, sober, what does that mean? Sober-minded, thinking about the right things, on track spiritually. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. You're like, no, some people drink during the day. No, 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 it's not about night and dark. It's about spiritual darkness. People drink and get drunk because they're in spiritual darkness. They don't realize that it's going to get them off from the main thing, which is Jesus coming back. They don't realize that they're impaired and they don't, they're not awake, alert, to the degree God wants them to be to, to get his return. Right? But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith, chapter 3, uh, and love, chapter 4, and for a helmet of salvation, uh, for the hope of salvation. So this is the first time he uses the armor. And then Ephesians, he, he wrote this in 51. He wrote Ephesians in 60. Imagine that he thought 10 years about the armor and, and then he got elaborate on it. Because Isaiah talks about the armor and it starts with the breastplate and the helmet, but then he takes it to a whole nother degree 
from other passages in Isaiah when he gets to Ephesians. So Paul is growing in Christ too as he goes. And he's able to use better illustrations and help it come alive better. I'm praying that happens to me. All right. It will, I trust God. For God has not destined us, believers, for wrath, for judgment, for the day of vengeance, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I haven't really let you participate much, but if I read that verse, you might want to cheer. I'm just saying. Like, just think about what I'm reading here. I know I've read a lot. I know I have you thinking about a lot of things, but just focus on this. God has not destined believers, followers of Jesus Christ, us, for wrath. Yes! But we obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah! I mean, that gives me something to celebrate. And when I celebrate, you're encouraged, aren't you? And when you celebrate, I'm encouraged. I read by that and I was like, oh, I wasn't very encouraged. They didn't celebrate. Like, do you get it? When we live in that kind of knowledge that there's, woo, we have Christ who died for us so that whether we stay awake, as in living, or we are asleep, as in dead, we might live with him. And if you want to take that to the spiritual realm, because we're not just in the physical, whether we stay awake spiritually and are filled with the Spirit, or whether we're asleep, we've grieved the Holy Spirit and we're dead not dead, but not functioning well, drunk in the wrong sense, with the wrong thing. No matter if we're awake or asleep, because we're in Christ, we might live through Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You go to small group again this week and encourage one another with these words, just like you did last week. Keep going back and saying, Jesus is coming back. And he's going to gather us all to be with him. And nobody, I mean, if people die before that happens, nobody's going to be left out of that. And by the way, encourage one another with, and if you don't believe, I want to encourage you lovingly, not beat you up with the Bible, to believe now urgently because we don't know when it's coming and today's a good day to choose. As in this second is a good second to believe. You understand? That's the encouragement you're getting today. Chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians, uh, verse 5. Let's start there. This is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may, not, may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God. Walk worthy, right? For which you are also suffering. So they are suffering. Paul got thrown out of town, right? First he was at Philippi. That didn't work out so good. Got beat and thrown out of town. Then he was at Thessalonica. Got beat and thrown out of town. Then he went to Berea. Got beat and thrown out of town. This isn't going that well. But in Thessalonica in particular, we know this from the scriptures, they continued to be beaten. They continued to suffer and have affliction. You can read it. As I read it, just pick up that. Okay? You also are suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief to you 
who are afflicted as well as to us. So if you're suffering, if you're persecuted for the cause of Christ, if when you tell others about Jesus, they ridicule or mock you, that's okay. I'm not laughing at them for doing that because I know what's coming. I'm grieved in my spirit for them, but I'm not going to stop doing it because I'm being persecuted. That's clear from the scriptures. And it is also clear from the scriptures that that will get worse, that persecution will grow worse, that suffering will be real. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in the clouds with his mighty angels in flaming fire, afflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus, you go, man, shouldn't everybody know God? Yes, Romans 1 tells us that everyone knows God and they know him through creation. God created this. And that declares there's a God. It screams, God, God. And then he's put something in your heart, a conscience, a spirit, that will, if you'll listen long enough, tell you there's a God and draws you to that God. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away, I have hell written by that, from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints, we're a part of this. Our life, our expecting him, that glorifies him. Be ready. And to be marveled at among all who have believed is like going to be like so crazy. You're going to be, woo! It's going to be marvelous. And you are going to be marveling at Jesus Christ when he comes back. He's way more than you think he is. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and in him, Jesus Christ, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is some good words there. I mean, we just preach that for the next 20 minutes, but no, we're going to move on, right? Be encouraged by those words. Don't be surprised. Judgment is coming. It's going to be sudden on those who reject the gospel of Jesus. Birth pains are the best illustration of this. If you're pregnant, you have a due date. The doctors have discerned through history and time that this is probably going to be when you give birth. But nobody knows the day and the time. Nobody knows when you're going to be like, whoa, what happened? I've seen it with my wife five times. You know, it never happens right when you want it to. And it never really feels good. I don't know, but I've been told. I've seen the effects of that. For us, we're not going to be caught off guard because we're expecting there to be Jesus Christ. We're pregnant with expectation that God is coming back to get his own, right? Can you imagine then the world thinking it's not pregnant, has no expectations of a delivery, has nothing 
how surprised they'll be when they have no nine months, no ten months to prepare, no church age of preparation, no going to church, how they'll be so surprised when the judgment comes so suddenly, when they were so in the dark that there was even going to be a deliverance or a delivery. These are good pictures. These are good pictures for us. We should hold on to these things. This last point, and dare I move on, I, I don't know why I just moved on there. That was my bad, but uh, I need to for time. But like, if you know you'll be judged and you're sitting here, repent. Repent and believe. Repent, right? We're all sinners. I'm not saying I'm not a sinner. I'm a sinner. There was a day I repented, and I don't know why, but it keeps happening, <laughs> I keep repenting. Sin just keeps following me. And I keep repenting. I'm trying to get it off of me and trying to walk in the Spirit. But you know what? Repentance is a daily thing. Repentance is a normal thing. But it, there is a first time where you realize, I'm wrong. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And so if you come going, I'm churchy. I've been to church all my life. This is what... Of course Jesus is coming back for me. If you're saying that, I hope for your sake, for our sake together, that you're saying that because you've had a day of repentance where you've come to the knowledge of your sin and you know that Jesus' blood covers it. If you've never had that day, you're, there, you're not prepared for the day. So I ask you now, have the day of repentance now. Today, before you leave, get on your knees and say, God, I know I'm not all that. Sure, I went to church. Thanks for godly parents. But I know I'm not all that because I keep sinning. <laughs> and I need you to wash away my sin. Thank you, Lord, for doing it. And if you do that, you are saved by faith in the grace of God. This last point, don't be alarmed. Well, why would I be alarmed? I know the first two. It's all good. Well, he writes the second letter for a reason. He says, now concerning the coming of the Lord, yep, that was point one, and our being gathered together with him, yep, point one, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. There's the point. Don't be alarmed. Either by a spirit, it's a spiritual thing. The spirit's talking to you, right? But evil spirits and good spirits can talk. They will try to influence you. There's a battle going around, right? Or a spoken word. There are well-meaning people in our world who would tell you misguided things from their own opinion, not from the word of God. That's a word. Or a letter seeming to be from us. This is a little more deceptive now. People were trying to write letters in the name of Paul to the church at Thessalonica and saying, Paul wrote this, here's what's happened, and that's deceptive. There are people who are being deceptive with this thing. You have to be on your guard, people. Be ready. Seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord, the tribulation, has already come. See, they were suffering, they were afflicted, there was all of this trauma to them. And they're like, surely this must be the tribulation, Right? I mean, we're suffering. Is this God's wrath? Is this 
the wrath to come? And he's assuring them, no, it is not, and this is why. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless. Here's three things. The rebellion comes first. Do you know there's going to be a rebellion against God? You're like, yeah, watch the news. (laughs) Okay, that's one, right? But I think the rebellion is going to be a lot worse than it's been. I think that's pretty clear from this. And the man of lawlessness, that's also called the Antichrist, is revealed. Has the Antichrist been revealed? You're like, well, maybe it's, I'm not going to fill in the blank. I I just, maybe it is, I don't know. But he has not been revealed, right? It is not clear to us, and God says it will be clear to us. The son of destruction, this is how it's going to be clear, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God and object of worship. There's a lot of false religions. There's a lot of pompous people in our life. But nobody has said, I'm the only one. Yet, it will happen. Be aware. And then this third thing, so that he takes his seat, so it will be a he, in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Step back. Watch out. Somebody in human form with God's spirit, made in God's image, is going to step up and say, I am God. It is me. You must worship me. And people are going to do it. And when this happens, you will know that the day of the Lord is drawing near because God's not going to put up with that. God is a good, good father, a loving God who wants us to know him more and more. But when this happens and when we get to this end, God will put up with it no longer. And the day of the Lord and his vengeance and his wrath and the visiting of the Almighty, those are all words for the same thing, will come, and that will be the end of this earth as we know it. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. I told you all three of these things. I told you about this Antichrist guy. And you know, as do we right now, What is now restraining him, now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. It's been at work since sin entered the world, Adam and Eve, and carried on through me. Only he who now restrains it, so you're like, he, who's the he that restrains it, will do so until he is out of the way. But remember up here it says, you know what is restraining it. What is neuter has no sex. He is male, has a sex. Guess who and what is referring to because it's referred to in both ways. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is restraining evil. The Holy Spirit is holding Satan back. The Holy Spirit through us, believers in Christ, is holding back this day. We are on a mission to delay this day as long as we can through many revivals. I pray we'll have one this year in our church. 
But when this no longer happens, and when the world goes to pot, it's getting close. The end will come. And the day is determined. I know God is in control. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Guess what? Jesus just has to show up and it's over. I love that. I'm with him. Hopefully you are too. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. So we know who's behind the scenes. With all power and false signs, not real signs, and false wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. Wicked deception. People will be deceived by Satan and the Antichrist because they are dying. They're in darkness. Because they refuse to love the truth. I don't love the truth. I love my sin. I love being in darkness. I love what it does to me. I love how it makes me feel. I love it. Those people don't love the truth of the word of God and they will be deceived and perish. The Bible is clear. And so they wouldn't be saved because they refused, rejected, to love the Lord, to love the truth, and so be saved. Therefore, is there any wonder in your mind now how you are saved? What you're accepting, what you're rejecting? I think it's pretty clear. So if you've been on the fence for a few weeks, if you've been coming to our church for a while, and you're like, I don't really know about what you're talking about, and this whole thing with accepting Jesus, and believing in Jesus, and following Jesus, like, is there any doubt now what we're talking about? If there's no doubt, then you have a decision in front of you. And I would assert to you that you need to make that decision before I get to verse 11. Okay, is that clear? Because verse 11 is going to explain to you why that decision isn't going to tarry for you. Look at it. Verse 11. Make your decision. Therefore, God sends them, and that will be during this tribulation time, a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Is this a strong word? This is a strong word of warning and of protection and of comfort to those who do believe. Because, you know, we do suffer on this earth, and I don't really like living here, and it does kind of stink most days. And yet I have the Holy Spirit, and I'm grateful for the gifts He's given and the work, the mission that we have. But at the end of it all, when I boil it down, at the end of the night, when I lay on my bed and my wife goes, why are you discouraged? I think the reason is because of where I live. <laughs> it's the world I live in and the troubles of the world that make me down in the dumps at the end of the day when I've worked so hard for the kingdom and the mission. It's not God. It's the world. So be comforted with these words, verse 13. Here's the rest of the point. Don't be alarmed. Tribulation hasn't happened yet. Believers can take comfort in the clear instructions from God's word. That's the point. Believers, if you're a believer here, you can take comfort from the clear 
instructions from God's word. All right, here were the three clear instructions. Let me give them to you, and then I'm going to read this encouragement to you. One, God the Spirit is restricting Satan. Write these three down, three things down. They will comfort you. This is instructions from the Word of God. This is a real, true comfort. God, the Spirit, is restraining Satan right now. Here's another clear uh, insight or instruction from the passage. God, the Son, Jesus is His name, will kill the Antichrist when the time is right. God, the Son, will kill the Antichrist. You saw it, you read it in the passage, with the word of his mouth, with the truth. You are an imposter. I am the real thing. And he will annihilate, he will kill the Antichrist when the time is right. And three, God our Father, God the Father, has called me lovingly (laughs) to be ready. I hope this is clear because I want you to be prepared. So let me end with this. I'll just read verses 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by God, by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, the good news, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, sisters, stand firm, stay awake, be ready, and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us before and today, either by a spoken word, our spoken word, from me, Paul says, from us, or by our letter. And later in the chapter, he's going to say, in in the end of the book, he's going to say, this is evidence of my writing. I wrote it in my own hand. He made some kind of mark. Grace and peace, maybe. Now may the Lord Jesus himself, I don't want to miss Christ. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself And God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish your hearts today in every good work and word. Be encouraged. Hey, because God's word is such a comfort... I want to give you a few passages to write down, some more clear instructions. I couldn't preach all of it, but I want to give you some more. Write down these references. Read them this week. Be encouraged as you keep going in your search to be ready, okay? Matthew 24. You need to read Matthew 24. Mark 13 is the parallel passage. You need to read that too, because when you read parallel passages, you you put it together and it makes more sense together than it will apart. You can get the timing better when you match them up. Luke 21. Luke 21, another kind of parallel. Not as clear as these two, that they're parallel, but they are all parable. They're written to different audiences. They're written to the Jews. They're written to the Romans. They're written to the Greeks. That's why they're different. And uh, you just study it, and you'll come up with more. Then I would just say read Revelation. I know it's daunting, 
It says that you're blessed if you read it. Uh, read it over each other. Maybe husbands, this would be on you to read it with your wife. Because it says it's blessed if you hear it too. And so you could lead your family in reading it. And I know there's a lot of imagery and a lot of scariness that'll cause you men to study what it really means and to lead your family the way you should. And I would be happy to help. So if you've read these three passages in the Gospels and if you've read Revelation, come back to me and I'd be happy to help you uh, go farther in your walk with this. Okay? That makes sense? Cool. Let me... Let me close with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you. You've given us a strong word to be ready in case Jesus comes sooner than we anticipate and also to be prepared in case Jesus delays longer than I expected. We don't know the times and the seasons. We don't know the day and the hour, but we know that you're coming And we know that it's sooner than it was when we started this message. We are looking to you. We are expectant for your come. We are pregnant with anticipation. And we long to see you. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But not so quickly, I pray. Because I love these people that they will not decide to be saved. So God, I pray if there's people here hearing this for the first time, scary as it may be, that they will believe in Jesus Christ, in the gospel, the good news, and make a decision today. And I pray this in Jesus Christ's name, amen. We're going to sing a song. You can sit. How I'm going to, uh, this we believe is the name of the song. How I want to close our service is this. It's, it's, it's your close. It's your time. Again, we do this for your good, not for anybody else's glory. Sit and think about what you believe. Make sure, even if you've believed a long time and you're really sure, make sure you know that you're going to be in the air with us. And when you've solidified that belief and you know you're ready, then you can stand and sing. That's a good commitment. Stand firm. Stay awake. I'm in. But I would say to you, with no peer pressure from anyone standing, that if you cannot stand, and that's okay, we love you anyway, right? We love you more (laughs) and want to see you get it. That if you can't stand, that that's okay, and that you would commit yourself to these things until you can stand in Jesus Christ and sing that this is what we believe.